This morning we are going to get into the deep, deep stuff in the first part of Proverbs and dealing with uh, the adulterous woman. And while we can apply this to temptation in general and to sin in general, uh, this was a real issue that, that Solomon goes to regularly in Proverbs encouraging his sons to avoid the adulterous woman. To, to not start their life off by messing it up in, in great and disastrous ways. And, and it shows up so often through Proverbs in different ways that this, uh, we have to accept, was an issue in Israel in those times. And in fact, if we go into the New Testament, we even see we have... Uh, issues with uh, prostitution and adultery and we have the woman caught in adultery and then even in in Paul's writings he talks about why should we as believers to the Corinthians why should a believer unite himself with a prostitute And, and so this was an issue in their time as it has been an issue in our time prostitution is still rampant in the world. We have uh, human trafficking. We have uh, destruction of people and destruction of ourselves. And not only that, we have in, in our time pornography. We have premarital sex. We have a, a society that says, go and do and enjoy. There are no consequences. And so this This really is a timely passage, even if you're in a situation where you're thinking, I'm never going to go see an adulterous woman. I'm not going to go and visit a prostitute. I am not an adulterous woman, and I will never be. This still has impact for us today because our society is, I mean, if nothing else, as we go through this, we will see just how off track our society is, just how badly we need as a country, as a people, to come back to God's standards and His ways. And it's about walking in in which way do you walk. As we are going to see early on, the first six verses that we are skipping over uh, is again an encouragement to the Son. My Son, give attention to my wisdom. And it is peculiar coming from Solomon who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. If somebody knew about the dangers of the adulterous woman, it would be Solomon. He, in fact, in Ecclesiastes, he talks about how he gave himself full freedom to try to enjoy all the pleasure that he could possibly enjoy. And he found in the end it was vanity. It was worthless. It was destruction to him. And we know from history that Solomon's 700 wives were destruction to him. They led him away from God and into worshiping their idols. His son that came up behind him was not a good human being, not a good king, was wicked in his heart, and because of him... God tore the nation apart. 
because of Solomon's behavior, but it happened in his son's time because his son was not wise. And so from Solomon, at some point in his life, he is trying to give his son wisdom. And he's saying, walk in the ways that I am telling you. Avoid other ways, and specifically the adulterous woman. And so when we begin here in verse 7 and 8, verse 8 talks about her, it's talking about this adulterous woman. Uh, Basically, somebody who has given up, as as we saw in chapter 4, has walked away from the, the companion of her youth and has forgotten the covenant of her Lord, she is somebody who will lead you astray if you go too close to her, if you go into her paths. She has already gone astray. You will go astray. And before we get focused on, oh, it's so negative against women, remember that throughout Proverbs, wisdom is a woman. And as we get into chapter 8 and 9, we will see better examples of women who will encourage us in wisdom and in truth and in following God. But there's this trope of the adulterous woman who I think was a literal struggle that there were women in Israel who you could easily go into, whether they were connected to the high places and the worship of idols, or if it was just business. But it was a danger. It was a problem. It was something young men needed to avoid. Specifically young men. And so that's why he is in encouraging his son. So let's let's pick it up in verse 7. He says, Now then, my sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Don't, don't walk away from what I am telling you. Keep your way far from her, the adulterous woman, and do not go near the door of her house. So, so he's talking about how we walk. And remember in Proverbs, how you walk or your journey or the path that you follow is often talking about our lives. And so keep your way far from her. Keep how you live far from her. Keep the, the way that you live far from her. But literally, do not go near the door of her house. Don't go up close. It's about how do we walk? Are we going to walk in the paths of sin and temptation? Or are we going to walk away from that in the paths of wisdom and how the Father, the, 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 the teacher here is instructing? He says in verse 9, do not go near the door of the, her house in verse 8. Why? Because in verse 9, or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. The, the insinuation is, if you go near her house, you're going to go in her house. And if you go in your house, you are going to give yourself over to lust and to destruction. You will give your vigor to others. You will give that which you have, your strength to others and your years to the cruel one. Your years, all that. I mean, just we're thinking about a young man. A young man full of energy, full of life, full of desire and drive. And if he gives in to this, if he walks by the path of the adulterous woman, if he goes to her door, you will 
give your vigor to others. The, 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 the father has no illusion about the strength of his son to resist temptation if he goes up next to it. If you go by, you know, if you struggle with alcohol, don't go into a bar and order a club soda. Maybe you'll get by with that club soda first, but then next or next, what will happen? No, stay away from that place. If you struggle with drug addiction, don't go by the house that you know will supply you. Don't go near it. In fact, a lot of times when people have addictions, what they need to do and what helps them break the addiction, especially with drugs, get out of that community. Go somewhere else where all your friends are not, where your dealer is not. Go somewhere else so that you have a chance to clean up, to maybe build up some strength before you go back into that community and that area. The same is true for the adulterous woman, for the young man who would desire to have sex outside of wedlock. Or even the old man who would desire to have sex out of wedlock. He's writing to a young man, but it applies to all. Stay away. Don't go down that path. In in this day and age, stay away from certain parts of the internet. Don't go there. Don't even tempt yourself. Sometimes you just got to stay away even from newspapers because they're full of this Hollywood person and that Hollywood person and this person and that person and what they're not wearing or what they are wearing that barely covers anything. And you read those things or even you just see the pictures. The next thing you know, you're tempted to go somewhere else. Stay away. Don't go close because the belief the acknowledgement is, is if you get close, you're going to sin. If, you're da- if you dabble, you're going to diddle. You're not going to stop. So you've got to stay away completely. The, the best deterrence to sin is avoidance. It, it's to not go anywhere near. Not to drive by the, the, the gentleman's club. Oh, I'm not going to drive in, but I get a little tingling just by driving by. No! Because then you might end up pulling into a parking lot. Then you might end up going to the door. Then you might end up going in. No, the best thing to do is to completely avoid. That's what he's telling us. That's what we need to remember that, the, that, that we are sinful beings. We are fallen creatures we have jesus christ if you have believed in jesus christ you have the holy spirit living within you your flesh is still dead you still will give in to temptation if you give yourself a chance the best deterrence to sin is avoidance there's no uh i mean that's right there in verse nine do not go near the door of her house or you will Give your vigor to others. It's going to happen to you if you get too close. You've got to stay away. There is an expectation that we will give in to that temptation, that we will sin if we go by her house, if we get too close. And that is true. The same thing happens with young man and young woman dating. If you 
allow yourself to be put into positions, if you give yourself freedom, you're going to fall. You're going to struggle. You're going to give in to the temptation. You will sin. The best deterrence is avoidance. And what happens to this young man if he does go by her house? Notice in verse 9, Or you will give your vigor to others, your years to the cruel ones. The picture is a young man who, who walks the wrong path. And, and maybe later on he wakes up and realizes, I wasted 10, 15 good young years. I had strength and I wasted it away. Not only that, in verse 10, he says, uh, strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. All your money, you're just going to blow it. You're going to spend it on things that don't last, that are a temporary pleasure that do not fulfill. In fact, in verse 11, and you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I have hated instruction. And my heart disdainfully rejected rebuke. I didn't listen to my instructions. I didn't listen to rebukes. I hated it and I just went full-fledged into the sin. And now my body is wasting away. My flesh and my body are consumed. That, that can be literal. We used to call them sexually transmitted diseases. Now they're called STIs, sexually transmitted infections. I don't know if that's better or worse, but the the, the reality is the same. You can get stuff on your body and in your body that makes your body waste away. It can consume you. It can destroy you. Not only that, there is what you do to yourself. There are young men who have been exposed to images that they never should have been, that a grown man shouldn't be exposed to. And they're exposed at, at, before they're even 10 sometimes. And they grow up with this stuff, and it destroys and it warps their ideas and their understanding and their expectations of life. You have a whole generation now growing up of young men in their early 20s, late teens, don't even care about dating. Don't even care. They, they can't even comprehend real feminine companionship. They're so given over to the Internet and to the images that are so readily available. They have destroyed themselves. That's what he is saying when, when you groan at your final end, your flesh and your body are consumed, and you say, how I have hated instruction, my heart spurned reproof, In verse 13, I have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. I can only imagine, you know, today there is such privacy. But I can only imagine what it was like in his time that a young man, I guess in some cultures and some countries now that have red light districts, the young men who frequent those, well, they're known to everybody. You see him going the wrong path. You see him walking by her door. They're in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly 
and congregation. What the, what the father is trying to convince his son and help his son understand is that you'll give your life over to somebody else. All that you had to offer, all that was good and strong, you're going to waste it on somebody who doesn't care about you. You're going to give it up to strangers. They're going to take your wealth, your vigor, all you have, and you're going to groan in the end. You're going to look back and realize all that fun you were having was a waste. It destroyed you instead of benefiting you. The truth is is that uh, sex is pleasurable. And it's fun and it's titillating and it's wonderful. And, 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 I mean, so often isn't a, a stolen pie just so sweet when you eat it? It's not just the pie, it's the getting it, the stealing it. There's so much going on that can be such a joy. But it's, it's destruction. What begins with pleasure ends in destruction. It, it may feel good. It may be exciting. It may be dangerous. And you might get a real good kick and a high from it. But in the end, you groan at your final end. Your flesh and your body are consumed. You say to yourself, I was almost in utter ruin. What begins with pleasure ends in destruction. That's the, that's the trick of sin. You know, things sounded good to Eve when Satan was saying, you won't die. No, God knows that if you eat from that tree, you're, you're going to be just like him. You're going to have wisdom. And that sounded really good. And she looked at the fruit and she thought, that fruit looks good to eat. It looks pleasurable, and it's going to give me knowledge. And she ate it, and I bet you it was sweet. I bet you it tasted really good. And she gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And I bet you it was really good. They might even have had a moment of thinking, wow, that was the best-tasting fruit ever. Why did God keep that from us? And then their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they knew that they had sinned. And then the shame came. And then they hear God's voice coming because He would walk in the cool of the day and He would visit with them and He would walk with them. And instead of going and meeting Him and being excited to see Him, they hid from Him for the first time in their lives. The Creator, the One who gave them life, the One who gave them each other, they didn't want to see Him. They didn't want to be with Him. They didn't want to have anything to do with Him. They hid from Him. It tasted real good. It felt really good for a moment. But its end was destruction. And that's the same. That's the truth of the adulterous woman. In fact, uh, Proverbs 5.3 tells us, For the lips of an adulteress drip honey. And smoother than oil is her speech. Oh, oh, her lips, they drip, honey. They are so sweet. And her speech, oh, the things that she says to you, it is smoother than oil. But, verse 4, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. That which is sweet turns bitter. 
that which is so smooth as oil ends up being so sharp you can't help but be cut by it. What begins with pleasure ends in destruction. That's what Solomon is trying to get his sons to understand. You've got to watch out for this. Uh, the whole culture says, oh, it's great, don't worry about it. It's nothing, it's just physical. No. No, you go about doing it outside of the way God has designed it. It's destruction. It may feel good, it may feel fun, but it, it ends in destruction. Because of that, Solomon instructs his sons in verse 15, drink water from your own cistern. Cistern is a you know, collector of, of rainwater. It will hold water for you. So, so that which is your own collection, that which is your own reserves, drink from your own cistern, not somebody else's. Fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, and, and so this, there's, a, there's a mental image going on here. He's saying, look, drink water from your own cistern, fresh water from your own well. Stay at home. Drink from your own water. Don't go looking for it from elsewhere. But then the contrast is, should your springs overflow into the streets? Should what is yours and what is, is life, you know, springing water... A fountain of water, should this be just spread out into the streets? Streams of water in the public squares? Should it just be allowed to, to flow down the gutter? That's the image of the man who goes to the adulterous woman, that, that what is fresh and good and clean is just getting poured down the streets in the public square. He says instead in verse 17, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let them be yours alone. Keep your water to yourself. Don't go drinking somebody else's water. And don't let your water be you know, just spread out anywhere. He's talking about, uh, I don't know how literal we want to take this image, but figuratively, it's talking about Keeping yourself pure. Keeping yourself at home and not going off with the adulterous woman. Not going out with any, anybody who's available. But staying close to home. Drinking water from your own cistern. Fresh water from your own well. Uh, the way I, I best understand this is he's going through the progression. Because remember, he's talking about the, the young man. Don't go by her house. Don't go to the adulterous woman. You're going you're gonna to waste your years. And when you grow up and you look back, you're going to groan at the end. Instead, when you're young, when, when you could be going and, and, and drinking other people's water, stay at home, drink your own. Save yourself and reserve yourself for your spouse. Reserve yourself. Don't go messing around with other women. Reserve yourself for your spouse. And, and I, I say that very specifically. The idea is, is are, are you a young man who's not married yet? Or even, I say spouse, not wife, because this can apply to women too. Are you a young woman who is not yet married? Reserve yourself for your spouse. 
it's not just once I get married, then I've got this. No. Think about yourself as a life. And even when you're single, be devoted to your spouse. We don't know who that person is yet. But you can still, while you're single, be devoted to that idea. Be devoted to that future person and say, I'm not going to go sharing myself around with all sorts of people. So that when I show up and I finally meet that person and I decide I'm going to get married, I'm going to bring a whole bunch of baggage with me. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve myself for my spouse. That also can be fulfilled in our lives as we're married. We reserve ourselves for our spouse. There is no one else. As we say in the, the wedding vows, uh, you know, forsaking all others. If I reserve myself for my spouse, that means I don't give in to the possibility of another person. I don't go and find comfort in some other kind words if at home I'm not getting kind words. No. Because that's, that's walking down the street. That's getting close to that door. Then maybe a special lunch because this person's so kind. No. Don't even go near it. Walk away from it. Steer clear of it. Reserve yourself for your spouse. Drink water from your own cistern, fresh water from your own well. Don't disperse your springs abroad, streams of water in the streets. Let them be yours alone. Save them. Save yourself. Keep yourself only unto one person, whether you're married yet or not. Now, obviously, that's the, that's the high goal. That's, that's the way God established it and created it. We understand that if a spouse dies, there's no longer a connection. That if your spouse dies, you're free to remarry. The expectation, though, would be if your spouse dies, you keep yourself reserved for that future spouse if there's ever one. Things don't change just because you've already been married. But there's also the fact that we live in a country and in a world and a time where hearts are hard, hearts are hard and we have divorce. Right? Divorce and remarriage. Now we read this about uh, you know, reserving yourself for your spouse. Well, obviously, if, if we get divorced and we get remarried, we haven't reserved ourselves. We've, we've moved on from one and we've come to a new one. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and gracious to forgive us our sins. If we acknowledge our hearts were hard, we made choices. Whether it was I cheated, whether it was I just left, whether it was they cheated and I separated. But even in that, when God forgives us, we can start saying, okay, I'm going to live his way. So now, how do I live? If I've got a new wife, well now I'm reserved for her and no others. And I can honor God in that. If I have had troubles in the past, if I have committed infidelity in the past, there is forgiveness. And now I can say from here on out, I'm going to reserve myself for my spouse. 
We have that in Jesus Christ. We're looking at, and, and, and Solomon is encouraging us to the perfect, the, the right, the, the, the way God wants us to be. But we recognize that we are sinners, that we have hard hearts at times, that we've made mistakes. Sometimes we have just full, full force gone into sin. But God forgives us for that. We move on from 15 to 17 and encouraging the young man to drink water from his own cistern. That, that his streams should not be uh, dispersed abroad, but let them be yours alone. Let them be uh, literally separated, apart, isolated to you alone. That's where I get the idea of reserved. Then he says in verse 18, continuing this this imagery of water. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. I, I see here now the progression as a, as a young man who, who could go down the, the street of the adulteress. He could go by her house. He could go by her door. He could go into the house where destruction lies. But instead, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, granted, sometimes we don't have the wife of our youth anymore. Again, if you've separated from the wife of your youth and you have a new wife, she becomes the wife of your youth. Rejoice in her now. If God has forgiven you, rejoice in her now. Live in His ways to her now. In verse 19, he says, As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. This is, a, this is imagery that Solomon uses quite a bit in Song of Solomon. And it's funny though, because it's mostly about Solomon, the bridegroom. That he is like a, a, a gazelle on the mountains. That he is like the, the goat on the mountains. And, and the idea here is kind of funny. Like, okay... You know, I don't know, I don't know if I would suggest any of you gentlemen try to use this one on your wife. You know, oh my dear, you are a loving doe. You are just you are the most graceful mountain goat I have ever known. Don't know if that's going to go over well. But in Solomon's time, what we're looking at are animals that were prized in a mountainous region, which is where Jerusalem is. Animals prized for their grace. In fact, in the palaces, those who were wealthy and, and, and were successful, one of the things they would actually do is take these wild animals like a mountain goat or a doe and domesticate them. They were prized. They were graceful. They, they, they would climb along the rocks from one perch to another and not fall. So the idea is grace and beauty in motion. Like a loving doe. Like a graceful mountain goat. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Whose breasts? Your wife of your youth. And, and here's the something. The, the language, the wife of your youth. It conveys the idea that it's no longer your youth. 
She is the wife of your youth. But she has grown old with you. And yet as she has grown old, as her body has changed, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. And that word satisfy literally means to drink your fill. To, to, to be fully, fully saturated with water and joy. Let her breasts satisfy you. We have this idea of you know the trophy wife turning your wife in for a newer model. Scripture says no. That was probably something they dealt with back then because a man could divorce his wife if she was found to be unfavorable to him. I don't know about you, but maybe after your wife gave birth to about six kids, you might find her less favorable, and there might be somebody else that would you would favor more. Proverbs says no. Not allowed. Enjoy the wife of your youth. Uh, let her satisfy you at all times. Let her be exhilarated always with her love. Uh, exhilarate is an interesting word because it means to be led astray. In fact, later on in this chapter, verse 23, talks about uh, in the greatness of his folly, the man who, who goes into the adulterous woman, in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. It's the same word. But here it's not the idea that she would lead him astray. No, may your wife exhilarate you. The, the, another way of translating exhilarated to be led astray or to err is also to swerve, to meander, to reel or roll in drunkenness. Now we are encouraged in Scripture not to become drunk with dissipation, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But to a certain extent, you could say Solomon in Proverbs chapter 5 is encouraging men to be drunk with love for their wives. May she so delight you that it's like you're drunk off of her. No matter how old you get. That's the image that He wants us to have. Be exhilarated always with her love. And then in verse 20, he says, For why should you, my son, be exhilarated? Same word. Led astray, but also drunk with the desire and the love with an adulteress. Why should you do what you should be doing with your wife with an adulteress? Why embrace the breasts of a foreigner? When you've got your wife at home, why go elsewhere? When you've got your wife at home, be exhilarated with her. Don't allow yourself to start down the path where you're exhilarated, exhilarated with a, a, a foreign woman, an adulteress, somebody who's just going to steal from you and destroy you. No. Stay with your wife. Love your wife. Be exhilarated by your wife. The wife of your youth. See, Solomon is warning his sons there is great danger. There is disaster if you go after the adulterous woman. If you give in, and in our day and age it would be for the young men and women of, of, of our culture, if you give in to just sleeping with your boyfriend or sleeping with your girlfriend or doing whatever. Now, I mean, we don't even want to know the, 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 the hook-up culture 
that the youth are living in, where you don't even need to date, you don't even need to necessarily feel close to somebody. You've got a body, they've got a body, put your bodies together and have fun for five minutes, I guess. I don't know how long they... No. It's awful. It's disaster. It's destruction. It's destroying the fabric of our society. It's destroying the young people. Why do you think, as this is happening, there are so many, like there's, in the younger generations, 19% claim to be gay now. It's an insane increase. How, where do you think this growing uh, attitude of young men in, who think they're girls and young girls who think they're boys, it, it, it is all rooted in the fact that we threw off all controls in the 50s and 60s. That we have given ourselves over to it in the 80s and 90s. That we have worshipped it in the 2000s. And it's a free-for-all today. And it's destroying them. It's disaster. Solomon wanted to keep his sons from doing that and instead to lead them into the delights of a good marriage. Because God truly has good desires for us. He has the, the desire to give us joy in life. He wants us to be blessed. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Uh, literally, rejoice in her. Celebrate. Delight yourself. Be exhilarated always. And... and the idea here is that God wants us to find delight in our marriage through all our years. God wants us to have joy and delight, not just in the early years, not just in the middle years, but all throughout our years. He wants us to enjoy our spouse living with them, knowing them, sharing life with them. It doesn't have to be sexual. But that we would delight in our spouse and not go looking for others. A lot of times, adultery begins not uh, for sex, but for care. This person showed interest in me. This person showed that they care about me. And then it grows and culminates in the sex. But it begins with the care. His desire would be that we would delight in our marriages, that we would delight in the one that we are married to, that we would enjoy them, that we would experience life with them, that we would be exhilarated by them, that we would be blessed Solomon truly does hold up disaster and delight before us. If we walk in his ways and God's ways, we will find delight. If we hold on, one of the wonderful things I heard a, a, a young lady say that probably the best advice she ever got was an older woman in the church said, if you're upset with your husband, just wait a year. It'll probably, you know, you'll probably move on and get out of it. So many people in our day and age, though, they don't wait. They get upset. They're hurt. 
I'm not being treated right. And it's Splitsville. And she said the, the best advice she got was just wait. And those troubles, those difficulties, oh, he was such an idiot. Well, they got through them. Isn't that true? If you hold on and wait, so often we can get through those troubles. And God has true delight and joy set for us in marriage. But our society says it's not necessary. Our society says don't wait. Our society says you're missing out. You're not missing out. Our society is missing out. Those who have open marriages and sleep with whoever they want to, those who give themselves to whoever comes by, they are missing out. They are missing out on God's design. They are missing out on the joy God has given us and offered to us. God wants us to find delight in our marriages through all our years. And I want to encourage you today, if you're married, no matter how long you've been married or how old you are or how young you are, look to see where the delight in your marriage can be found. Seek to build it. Seek to nourish it. And I want to invite us if if we have failed to walk that path, if we've gone to that door, if we have found ourselves dispersing our streams into the gutters, we know that there is forgiveness offered to us through Jesus Christ. There is restoration through the forgiveness of our sins. If we but take it to Him. And that would be my encouragement to you today. Take it to Him. Seek healing from the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank You that You have given us so many blessings. and, And chief among them, marriage, the opportunity to share our lives with another human being, to build families, to build a life together where we are no longer two, but one. We pray, Lord, we all acknowledge that we we have failed to do it always perfectly. Sometimes our hearts wander. Sometimes our minds wander. Sometimes we don't delight one another. We are aggravated and we hurt one another. But Lord, You offer us forgiveness. You offer us healing and restoration. And so we pray that You would help us to turn back and to keep on Your path, that we would not depart the wisdom of Your words. But Lord, that if we are married today, that we would delight in our spouse. That we would reserve ourselves solely for them. And Lord, that we would build our marriage up in You. We pray, Lord, for those who are not married. Lord, that they would reserve themselves for their spouses. Whether that's in the future or maybe even in the past. 
that we would love them enough to protect how we treat our bodies. That we would steer clear of temptation and sexual sin. Lord, we pray. We pray that we would walk in Your paths, trusting You to provide a spouse, to provide marriage, to provide a new marriage maybe in Your time, and that we would wait upon You. We ask these things today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.